dive into God's Word, and uh, we want to welcome you to Palm City Church. I want to give a big shout out to those watching online. We think it's better in the room, but we still love you. Come on, say hello to everybody with us today. Yeah. We're going to jump into the Word together, and uh, if you are new, or just to give us all a recap, because a lot happens between two Sundays, right? I mean, we have three kids, and so we're doing soccer, we're doing dance, uh, we're now, you know, leading a church, and so a lot happens. I'm sure the same is in your life. But we started last week with a new collection of talks around the ideal that now is the time. Like, you really can't control tomorrow, right? And it's going to have enough problems when we get there. And we can't go back to yesterday because you can't unscramble eggs. That's funny. I, I, don't, care. I don't care what you say. That, I thought that was funny. Um, but we can control today. And we can only control that to some degree, but we can make some decisions in our now that can impact our next. And so last week, uh, we talked about now is the time to make a change. We just presented four areas that maybe all of us in, in the new year should be maybe considering making some changes in. And so we presented that to you, and we called that first installment, Now is the Time to Make a Change. There's an author, Steve Covey, Stephen Covey, that says, if you keep doing what you're always doing, you're going to keep getting what you're always getting. And, and sometimes if we want a different result, we got to do something different on this end in order to expect a different result on the other. So we talked a lot about that, like it's time to act on what we've been avoiding. It's time to start pursuing the things we've been procrastinating, start doing the things we've been delaying, and change the things we've been contemplating. Like, now's the time. It's like a, a, the Florida people, you know, the light turns green. They're going to let you know, hey, beep, beep, let's go, beep, beep, to which I'm like, you know, I probably shouldn't be looking at my phone, but why you got to blow the horn at me, you know? So, and then sometimes I'm blowing the horn, honestly. Let's be, can we be real in church? We want to be an honest church. So now's the time. God has more for you than you're probably currently experiencing. And my job today is just to stoke the fire. God's already put something inside of you. And so through some words and worship, I just want to fan into flame that gift, that purpose, that passion that, ma'am, sir, may have been dormant for too long. So are you ready? Can we go today? All right, let's do it. So today, uh, we're going to talk about now is the time for God time. And before we get into that, I want to recap the verse that really, really kind of um, birthed this idea of now is the time. And it's Jesus' first message he preached. So it's, it's got, I mean, all of Jesus' words in life are very important. But I would say maybe because of the rule of first in Scripture, the first message he preached, has a it hits different. It has a little bit more emphasis and so the first message Jesus preached, and it ultimately became a theme of the New Testament, was this. It's Matthew 3, 2. Last week we looked at uh, the same verse in Matthew 4. So you can see he's even using it and reiterating it a lot. Why? Because vision leaks. Okay, that's why we go to church every Sunday, because a lot happens and vision leaks. So we've got to come together again, recharge the batteries so that we can conquer life, beat the devil up, and live a fulfilled, purpose-filled life. And so here's what Jesus says in that verse. He says, repent. Oh, that's a scary word. No, it's not. It's like the most opportunistic word in Scripture. You're like, Pastor, but be more positive. I am. I'm positive. It is a very, very positive word, encouraging word. It's not the guy on the corner of the highway, right, with a bullhorn and a VW being like, turn or burn, you know. That's not the word. The word repent means metaneo in the Greek. That's my best interpretation. I'm from Alabama, y'all, so that's my, that's my best interpretation of that word. And, and, and the word means to change one's mind. 
just to change one's mind. So in other words, God is gentle in his love and he's uh, patient with us. And so he's never going to come down and be like, hey, get it together. I mean, I've done everything for you. Can you at least live for me? That's, that's not God. Like he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want your spiritual and religious performance, okay? You need to know that. That's, that's foundational into the life you live for Christ. And so the word repent, what Jesus is saying is, hey, you may not be going in the right direction. And because I love you, I can tell you because I've seen where that road leads, it's going to end bad. And so I would love for you to change your mind and turn. Turn off of that path and turn towards me. That's the word. Like, elbow your friend and be like, take a Yui. Pull a Yui. Right? That's what we do. Like, if you're going in the wrong direction, do you just keep going, justifying, hey, this, is, this didn't work out. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure this is, no, you go, ma'am, I got I to gotta change course. This is not good. I'm going to pull a Yui. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, repent. Turn from that way of life and turn to me because I, I'm the creator. If the car's broke, you look at the owner's manual to fix it. You, you don't want me fixing your car, okay? When I begin to fix your car, it's going to get worse. And our life is the same way. We have to look to the author of life in order to understand what our purpose in life is. It's, it, we can't do it on our own, and that's the second part of the verse. He says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So in other words, you may not be the best king of your life. I wasn't. I tried that for a long time. It may start out okay, but it's going to end badly. So Jesus is saying, hey, tur turn, why? Because I was, I was you know, I I'm here to be a leader in your life. I have the book of your, on your life. I can help you with that. And the good news is, it's at hand. In other words, I'm not a far off God. I'm not up here with lightning bolts just waiting for you to blow it. Just not, I knew you, bam. You know, that's not God. He's patient with us. And so what he's saying is, it's, it's at hand. Not I'm not a God where you have to come to me. I loved you so much, I left heaven to come to you. I'm here and I can help you in this life that you're trying to live. Don't do it alone. And that's the verse that started the series. So now, uh, we talked about four areas last week. And I really want to hone in on the first of those areas, which is now is the time for God time. If you've been around sports ever before, um, in the locker room, there's, like a, there's a chant. You know, half the team will be like, what time is it? And the other half will be like, game time. What time is it? Game time. You know, so today, what time is it? It's God time. It's time to give God the prominent role in our lives. It's time to live by what he thinks and what he says, not how we feel and what we think. He knows best. God knows best. And so we're going to dive into that. And I love this quote. I really think it embodies humanity's existence. It's C.S. Lewis, and he said this. He said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that will make him happy. Isn't that the truth? Like that was me for so long, I looked to everything the world had to try and find the fulfillment I knew only God could give me, but I just saw God the wrong way. I saw it as restrictive and boring and meh, and it's not true. And of course, wouldn't the enemy of your soul want you to see it the wrong way? Because like, if you ever get a hold of the real way and how good it is for you, he knows he, he has no chance in your life. So he's going to paint a picture of, oh, it's restrictive and boring and you know just oh no i'm not christians oh you know no man we're we're jamming to some music in here we're raising our hands i got skittles up here you don't know what about to happen today so that's the life we can live together and so romans 
the Apostle Paul writes three verses, and I want to read it to you out of the message, paraphrase. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. So it's like um, if I'm trying to recap a story to my wife, come on husband, this is hard. You know, you have that phone call at work, and they're like, what'd they say? And you're like, oh man, I don't, I was good. Uh, they, uh, I really don't, re you know, you're trying to recap it. And it's hard because they want, they want to be there and you're doing your best. Well, Paul is, is explaining this to the Romans. And so the message paraphrase says this. And I think you'll hear the urgency that now is the time. Beep, beep. I'm your spiritual tour guide today to point you in the ways of Jesus. But we've got to get moving. It says this. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The Bible's not talking about physical sleep. It's talking about being spiritually asleep. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and in indulgence and in sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing at everything in sight. Get out of bed, get dressed, don't loiter or linger, waiting until the last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Do you hear the urgency in that scripture? It's like, hey, this is not dress rehearsal. Like, you get one life. There's not a do-over, okay? It's okay that you may have been asleep, but now that you know you shouldn't be asleep, wake up, be about the life God has created for you because it's the, it's the best life. And so today, I'm going to kind of go over some things I think we can do together, me included, that, that's going to help us with our God time. And, the, and I think they're going to be more reminders than they are instructional. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that most things we've already heard before in some form or fashion. So I'm not here to instruct you in the new way. And maybe if it's new, hey, you know, let God do that work. But just be reminded of some things you may already know. But due to what life does, we just sometimes forget, right? Because vision leaks. And that's why we need each other and need each other often. So that's my primary role today. I want to get you going. But I was, as I was writing this, I couldn't help but think, oh, man, this is kind of confrontational. Two of a church plant. Like, like you know, it's new. Is this too? Is this too? No, it's the Bible. We're, we're not supposed to just read it. We're supposed to allow it to read us. It, one of the metaphors scripture uses to talk about the Bible is it's a mirror. So it, it doesn't come at you, it just shows you you. Like when you look into it, you just see the gap between, you know, the life God's called you to and, the, and maybe the current status of our life. And so we're supposed to make the adjustment that the Bible allows us to. So let's get going in it today. And just know as your friend, I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up. So now is the time, number one, if you're writing notes, write this down if you're not. Go ahead and write this down. Uh, is now is the time to take control of my calendar. Ooh, y'all didn't see that one coming. I pulled one on you right there. I thought we were talking about God. Oh, we are. Now is the time to take control of my calendar. Why? Because many of us are too busy. Right? I, I told you earlier, I went to soccer twice. Then I went to a game on Saturday. We went to dance twice. Then we did everything else we had to do. And we feel that's as minimum as we can get it, right, with three kids. And so in your own life, I know there's demands and there's things we have to do and want to do. And I'm not saying be weird and get rid of them. All I'm saying is we've got to be careful to unintentionally schedule God out of our day and leave it to chance. Because chances are 
He ain't going to get a spot, right, if it's not intentional and on our calendar. And sometimes the enemy of our spiritual progress is not sin. It's busyness. Come on, think about that. The psalm says, Selah. <laughs> Pause. Ponder that for a minute. Right? So, so maybe, and sometimes it's sin. Sin's a separator. But sometimes it's just the busyness of our life that keeps God kind of on the outskirts. Like, hey, I'd love to hang out. Out, out, out. <laughs> I heard somebody say one time, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you may not be as bright as you think you are. Right? So we've got to grapple with that. We've got to look at our calendars and make some decisions. I think it starts very practically in those areas. I love this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. I want them to leave it up on the screen for a couple of minutes because I really want us just to stare at the words for a moment. But it was written by a guy named Solomon who the Bible says was not only the richest man ever to live, but he was also the wisest man ever to live, which many of us are like, I'll take that blessing. Can I have the... And, and, and Ecclesiastes is a lot of him saying, after knowing everything and having all the money you could ever imagine, it's really not that awesome. As a matter of fact, he ends a lot of the phrases with, it's a lot of toil and chasing after the wind. That the things that you think you want actually don't do for you in the end what you thought they would do for you. And, and the challenge is you spent all that time pursuing it, hoping it would give you the joy that you're needing, and then you get there, and it's kind of a letdown. It's like, oh, well, then let me just set the bar somewhere else, and then I'm just spinning my life that way. But here's the verse, and it says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Right? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I wasn't great at math, but I thought two was better than one. Not with stuff. With stuff, it says better is one handful with tranquility, which is like a Bible word for rest and peace, with than two handfuls with toil, a lot of labor, a lot of laborious activity, and chasing after the wind, meaning chasing things that really you can't get your hands on. You can't grab wind. It just, it's elusive. It's, it's buttery. You know, it's slippery. So you can't. And so I wanted to illustrate it that we're about to taste the rainbow together. Okay, uh, you get a Skittle and you get a Skittle. I'm not going to go Oprah on you. Um, but I do, I do want to illustrate this because the Bible says better is one handful and having peace in your life than two handfuls and not being able to do anything because you got no room for the things God wants to do. Better is one handful and the ability to maybe hold your spouse's hand. Lay your hands on your kids and pray. Create some margin to serve on the grow team at this local church that just started. Maybe there's an opportunity. I mean, I had to get a plug in, right? <laughs> Maybe there's time to do some different things that matter that we haven't been doing. Maybe we can text a friend who's at a real low place because we've got a little bit of margin built in. Because better is one handful than two with chasing after the wind. Hey, can you, can you come over here and help me? <laughs> I would love to. Oh, let me, let, me give, let me get back to you on that. Hey, 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 uh, Dad, can you quit looking at your screen and talk to uh, I, uh, I would love to, but i got to run social media. Uh, uh, better is one handful with peace and tranquility than two handfuls in chasing after the wind. Now, I'm not getting on to you because I'm talking in the mirror right now to myself. We can't program God out of our lives because sometimes busyness is the biggest enemy of our life. We got to learn how to say no. I feel like we're pretty good at saying yes, right? 
hey, can you do this? Yes, 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 yes. And even when you get in the church world, it's harder because everything's good, right? It's like, it's not like bad for me, good for me. That's pretty easy to decide. But when you get in the church world, you even have to decide what's God and what's good. Because sometimes good is not what I should say yes to. We do need to say yes to the right things. But the way I wrote it down is we grow through our no. Come on, say that with me. We grow through our no. Now, husbands, do not go home and start using this today. And wives, don't, this is not what I'm saying, okay? Let's be friends. But we've got to know what to say yes to in our lives, but also what to say no to so that we can have God's best in our life. Amen? But when you're talking about schedule and calendar, you also have to talk about not just the things we're removing, but the big rocks, the foundational pieces we want in there every day that we build everything else around. Like these are the big rocks, like meaningful relationships, time with your kids, uh, connecting with a friend below a surface level type of relationship. Just whatever the big rocks are for you. Uh, one guy said, you don't prioritize your schedule, you schedule your priorities. That, that's how you do it. And we have to make God a priority. Okay, and if this is new to you, I want to encourage you with a concept we've been talking about along the seven months of launching the church, and that is the first 15. So like if you're not spending any time with God a day, uh, it's like never working out, and then you go in, you're like, I think I'm done. I think I'm, I'm good. That's good. I'm, I feel very sore already, you know, and, right? It's a, it's a muscle. You have, to, you have to work it and then build upon it and grow and challenge yourself to never become kind of status quo, but keep pursuing the things God has for you. And the first 15 gives us an opportunity to do that. So here it is. Take the first 15 minutes a day, not a 15 minutes a day. I think it's important to what you do first. What you do first has the potential to bless the rest. It's not just a, a giving and tithing principle in Scripture. It's a principle for life. That's why we go to church on the first day of the week. Okay, what you do first has the power to bless the rest. So the first 15 is, list five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. Okay, now if you're a long-time Christian, come on, you can challenge yourself, okay? I'm not trying to hold you back, but if this is new or maybe you love Jesus, obviously you're at church and it's like 19 degrees, we commend you. But if you're new to this, start with the first 15, I'm going to spend five minutes in the Word. Well, I don't know how to do that. Do you just randomly open a book? I mean, that's cool. I've done that before. I'm like, Jesus, wow. You know, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Or you can download an app called YouVersion. Uh, it's pretty cool. And you can look at some different things. You can, you can do topical studies. So you can, if you're struggling with anger, there's, there's studies on anger. If you have depression, anxiety, fear, insecurity, doubt, you're having marital challenges. You're having marital challenges because you're not married and you want to be, you know. Whatever the case may be, there's a topic you can study through that. Or if you want to be more passage-oriented and go book study verse by verse, you can do that as well. If you don't want to go digital, sometimes you've got to go spiritual before you go digital. Hey. Sometimes. Then you can, you can I would suggest, read the book of John. It's one of the Gospels. It's a, read the book of John. Read the book of Ephesians. You, there's 31 Proverbs, who most months have 31 days. You can read one chapter a day of Proverbs. There's just lots of ways to do it. However you do it, just do five minutes in the Word, and as you have time, build on that. Also do five minutes of worship. You can take a song that we sing right here at Palm City. We can even post them online if that helps you. Build you a little Spotify, a little Apple Music Flow. 
and just, and just get into worship. One song. It's amazing in five minutes how your perspective can shift in worship. Like you can come into a room like this and you made the choice to be here and that's awesome. But you can really be carrying a lot of things. Carrying the weight of your week. Carrying the weight of the week to come. Carrying the weight of the bucks losing. You could be carrying a lot of weight. Seriously. And then one song of worship. Nothing in your life on paper changed. But the presence of God hit your life. And you, and you just see life from a different vantage point. That's the power of worship. One moment in God's presence can change everything. So five minutes in worship. And then five minutes in prayer. Which for some of us is like our annual total. I thought that was funny. Right? Maybe our weekly total. Maybe, maybe you're... You're the guy or the, the girl that's like 45 seconds. You're like, I just prayed for everything I've ever thought of. <laughs> like including the nations. I mean, I'm pretty awesome. But listen, we got to get into prayer. And prayer is not eloquent. It's not just even you doing all the talking. I, I think we can follow the model of uh, an acronym called ACTS. It's adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. In other words, we just start with a few minutes of just Thanking God for who he is. God, thank you that you don't get worried about what I get worried about. You're in control. I may not see it, but I know you're working even when I don't see it. And I give you glory today. Thank you for another day on planet Earth. And I wasn't looking forward to this one, but you're with me, so it's going to be good. And just confession, hey, I, I shouldn't have said that to my wife last night. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have looked at that. I, I just, I need your help, God. And I just... I'm not going to call it, I'm not going to justify, I'm going to call it what it is, God. And I need you to come into my life and help me. I thank you that I can come to you. You've given me words like metaneho, repent in scripture, that when I botch it, when I blow it, I can still come back and have a relationship with you. So thank you for that. And so today, I just, I pray for my friends. I pray for those at my work. I want to be an example, God. I want to, I want to, I want to be used by you. And, and so you know the needs I have. And I'm just going to spend a few minutes praying for my friends and family. And I love you, God. I Talk to you soon. Jesus' name. Amen. That's not hard. Right? We can do that. And then, of course, get around somebody who is doing well in an area that you want to do well. That's, that's the secret sauce. If you can find someone that's a step or two ahead of you in an area, don't be bashful and be like, oh, wow. No, just get around them and learn and grow and try to figure some things out. I still do that. I would also say, in addition to those three, church. Church. Like, it's a, it needs to be a big rock in your calendar. I know we're new to each other, and you, you may not fully know me yet, but, but God, God's pretty intentional about what he, what he designed, and church is a great place of encouragement and hope that, that we don't only need God, but we need God's people. Not a perfect people, but a people attempting to go in the same direction as us, and so we need that, and church is a great place for that. So make it a priority. Now is the time to get control of our schedules. Amen? Are you still with me? Yeah. All right, number two. Now is the time to rethink my filters. Mm, got quiet up in here. Real quiet. Now, I'm not talking about this. I'm not, hey, yo, hit me. What's the landscape? You know, hit me with that black and white, that gritty background. You know, that's, that's not the filters I'm talking about. I think we got to grapple with how much of the secular we allow into our lives. I'm talking about the music. We listen to, I'm talking about Netflix. Look, I'll binge a show just like anybody, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and say that, you know, the same things that, that, that you're hearing are not something that I grapple with with God as well. But I think we, we have to give thought to the filters. 
the eye gate and the ear gate. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. But I would submit to you, what comes out is a factor of what goes in. And so we've got to watch how much of the news we consume. Be informed. I'm all about it. But man, it will create some anxiety. Just be careful. Grapple with how much of the secular we allow into our lives. I don't know if you uh, grew up in church. If you, if you did, you'll remember this. If you didn't, then uh, you probably will just laugh at me. But there was a song, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For your Father up above, He is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. For your Father up above, He is looking down in love. So be careful, little mind, what you think. We need to get back to some of those things. We got to be careful with what our eyes see. We got to be careful with where our feet go. We got to be careful with the words we say because they matter. We've got to grapple. If we're going to encourage ourselves to increase God time and become the person He's created us to be, which is the vision of Palm City Church, then we've got to grapple with how much of the secular we allow into our lives because it's having more effect than we realize. It's poisoning our mind. I mean, Facebook, just pornography, all the things, man, they're doing more than you think they are, but we justify it, right? Can, we, can I be honest just for a minute? We, we, I have been being honest, but let me continue to be honest. We justify it. I, I can handle it. I got this. It doesn't impact me like that. I'm different. <laughs> and I would say, yeah, maybe you're right. And I would quote the Bible and say, 1 Corinthians 10 says, I have the right to do everything, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So maybe not justifying, can I do it? But maybe we need to ask our questions, I can, but should I? Should I do it? Is my life better when I do it? Am I closer to God, or do I feel further from God when I do it? Not, am I, am I going to be in trouble or not? But is it helping me grow closer to the thing God has for me? That may be the question we have to figure out. It'll be an adjustment, but I promise you, if you just go there with me, if you just go there, you'll be glad you did, and you will feel better in your mind, in your confidence. You'll feel more of God's presence in your life. we got to grapple with our filters. Amen, everybody? Number three, I wrote it down this way, and this was a tough one, so get ready. It's time to organize my finances around give, save, live. Oh, there he goes talking about money. I knew it. One week. We just got one week before he did it. I don't want this for me. I want this for you. I want this for you. I was a financial planner for nine years. <laughs> it feels like a previous life. But God used that season for what I'm doing now. Because between the Sundays, we've got to be good stewards. And we will. But I want this for your life. Because for nine years, three times a day, five times a week which is about 7,000 encounters. I met with people, lots of money, not lots of money, all different backgrounds and experiences. And I can tell you, all appointments summed up is chaotic finances bring stress, marital tension, fear, anxiety, frustration, all the things. I, I, it doesn't matter how much money you make, if there's not an order to it, it will bring more damage than it will good. This is just from a lot of experience. And we're not just saying this is good for you, 
We're trying to model it as a church, which is why we will never talk about campaigns. We will, we will not, like, you will not get a letter of envelopes in the mail with a pledge offering. We're not going to roll like that. We believe people are innately generous because you're made in the image of God. And God so loved the world, he... You're generous in your heart. It's people just don't feel like they can be because their life is chaotic in that arena. So if we can just help you alleviate some of that chaos, we believe you'll you'll give to God because you're not giving to a church anyway. Worship, giving is worship. It's not a business transaction with the church. And so what we know as a church is we're not going to do those things. And we wrote it into our bylaws. We're going to run the church every year based on 90% of the year's previous budget. So if we don't grow numerically, we're not, we're not, we're not building evangel, evangelistic numbers here, right? We're not, you know, stretching it. No, no, no. No matter what God does, we're going to celebrate it all. But the next year, we're going to operate it on 90% of the previous year. And that's going to give us 10% margin no matter what. So if God does bless and we grow 8%, we're going to actually grow 18%. If God does bless and we grow 20%, we're actually going to grow 30% because we've got margin built in. That's how we're living our lives at the church and we want you as a part of the church to consider that same model that same idea give save live how many know a lot of times when you live at the end of the day just like with god time you ain't much left over you're like i'm gonna get i'm gonna give some i'm gonna give something next month it looks like i'm gonna give something next month let me pull up my bank account. i'm on we're about to save some that's gonna be march you know I mean, real talk. I mean, it happens, it happens to all of us. No, nobody's excluded from this. This is all of us. And so I, I used to tell people in client meetings, like, follow the 10, 10, 80 rule. Give 10, live on 10, or save 10, and then learn how to live on 80. I promise you, I promise you, it's better as one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Try it. Try it. I'll never forget the first time. You remember this, Kristen? <laughs> and parking lot, man. We were on our, on our way to our first small group, which our friends John Ross and Rachel are here. They were in our first small group uh, 14 years ago, I think we determined earlier in the service. So praise God for that. And, and, and so we were just close to them for all these years. But on the way, God started. We were growing in our faith, but God started like messing with us about the whole giving thing. And we were like, oh, well. And I just remember like we were on the way to a church event Lacey we're like rolling up with some friends we're like praise God we love Jesus you know it's all good got my Bible I'm, I'm growing spiritually and like we just had this breakdown in a strip mall parking lot on the way around the giving like Kristen was wanting us to do it she's always been more spiritual than me and I <laughs> I was just like man I, I just wasn't there and I can remember just kind of struggling with it and um and I end up I just remember this phrase I end up saying do you know how much money that is and she, in a wife voice, said, I knows whose it is. So we started doing it. <laughs> I was like, that's a very good point. Here, here's the verse. For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Treasure leads. What you, what, you, what you make your treasure, your heart follows. So if you want more of God, I'm telling you, involve him in your money. And then it's, it's, it's amazing just how close you will feel to God and how God will get in your life. And one person said, 90 percent with God is better than 100 percent with me. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. I would just submit to you, think about it. Imagine what would happen if you got God involved 
You honored him in that way. You got rid of debt, and you got your spending under control. Now, husbands, I talked to wives earlier. Don't be elbowing nobody in this moment, okay? It's a team. We're a team. But I think we've got to get our life organized in a, in a measure of give, save, live. The last one I wrote down is now is the time to live my life intentionally. Some of you are good at this. Like, you're just, I mean, you're just ahead of it. And, and it, maybe it's the way you're wired. Maybe somebody trained you in that kind of mindset. Uh, I, I don't know. But some of us are just like we take life as it comes to us. Or we just are kind of a re- reactionary type person. We're like, oh, whatever happens, happens. No, no. Now's the time. Like take control of your life. You can't plan everything. But you can be more intentional than you're currently being. Right? Somebody would say, what is the order of success in your life? And I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I, what I do know is that we got to put God first. We got to have the right relationships. And then we have to make the right choices on a daily basis. I am not what I say I am. I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to do daily. Right? So you're not what somebody else said about you. You're not the bad thing that's happened to you, that it happened to you, but you're not identified by that. And you're not even identified by what you think you are. Your identity is summed up in the things you choose to do on a daily basis. That's who we really are. And so there's a, there's a rule out there called the rule of five. Does anybody like practical? I like practical. I don't want to just inspire and then nobody knows what to do on Monday when it's like three o'clock and you know, we're mad at each other in the house or we got bills to pay. Well, what do we do now? The rule of five says you can't control everything, but you can create your rule of five. So like five things you're going to do every day, activities that no matter what, at some point within that 24-hour period or, 20, or 16 hours that you're awake, however that works out for you, you're going to accomplish these five things every day. I want to encourage you to make your list. Here's mine. I'm going to give you mine. And that I, I don't always do it perfectly. And you don't have to do it all day. Just do it every day. Mine is I want to spend time with God in prayer every day. I want, I want to talk with God, not talk at God, not talk to God. I want to talk with God, which is prayer. It's a conversation. I want to do that. Do I do it perfectly? No, but it's a priority. I want to do it every day. I want to study God's word. I need to. I don't need to study God's word just to say things. I need to study it because I'm a Christian just like you. I got to figure out what God is saying to me. I want to love those closest to me. One of the commitments Chris and I made in planting this church is we're not going to sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry. Right? Right? Let's go all in with church, but we got to love our families. Our family is our first ministry, and so we want to we be close to each other every day. I want to tell my kids I love them every day. I want to I date my wife once a week. We date every night. We put the kids to bed. We're like, date night, which is good until we cook brownies all the time. That's not good. I want to encourage someone every day. It's, a va- it's just a value. And that doesn't have to be a 45-minute coffee. It can be a text. But it's just my faith five. I, 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 my rule of five. I just, want to, I just want to text and encourage someone every day. And then I want to take care of myself, which is not selfish. Because if I'm not healthy, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. I don't want to start. I want to finish. Okay? So we got to take. It's a long game. This is not a sprint, everybody. It's a marathon. We got to take care of ourselves as well. The secret of success is found in our daily agenda. And I think perhaps the best question we can ask ourselves in thinking about this arena is what is the most valuable use of my time right now? Like not tomorrow, right now and do that thing. Why? Psalm says, teach us to number our days 
and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So anytime the Bible comes along and says, teach us to do something, it's probably because we have a tendency and a propensity not to do it. Like we, we, what we have excess of, we tend to squander, right? And what we have little of, we're very aware of. So when we think, man, we're invincible and we got all this time, we just kind of drift. But when we, we grapple with the urgency of, hey, get up, clothe yourselves in Christ, night's about over, it's almost daytime out of that passage in Romans, we just, it hits differently. We live with more intentionality. I may not be promised tomorrow, but I can text my friend today. I can work out with Ariel at the gym. I can, I can do what, you know, I, can do, I can't control tomorrow, but I can do today. And these are lofty goals. I, I gave you four of them, and they're lofty. But we, and we can't let it be behavior modification, right? We can't just start adding some things to our life. It's got to start from the inside out. And so if we don't talk about how to do them, from a, a sustaining way, when the momentum fades, they're going to fade. They're, they're good, they're good, but they're lofty. And we got to let it start on the inside. And so the key to it all is, number one, I have to know my purpose. I must know my purpose. We, we said it last week. We're going to say it until our eyes bleed every week at Palm City Church because you have a purpose. The Bible says, before you lived a day, God had them all ordained for you. Think about that. Every day was written in his book before one of them came to be. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, and they're good. They're plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We've got to know our purpose. Your purpose will give meaning. It will be the motivation you need when you don't feel like it, because there's coming a moment. Maybe you feel like it now. I hope you do. But there's coming a moment where you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to feel like organizing your family. You're not going to feel like your schedule. You're not going to feel like being intentional. I'm tired. I don't want to be intentional. I'm tired. Okay, but when you know your purpose, it ain't about me anymore. It's about those that I make and have an impact on. Maybe it ain't his platform or her platform, but God's given me a stage, the stage of my life, that if I can discover my purpose and know what God created me to do and then spend my life doing it, I too can make a difference. I too can help someone else. It may be a text. It may not be a microphone. It may be a keyboard. It may, it may look different than others, but I could still play my part in the grand scheme of things, help others, give God glory, and find joy in myself when I know my purpose. We also got to have a plan. Like chances are, if you leave it to chance, it ain't going to happen. So you got to have a plan. We got to know how we're going to do it. Proverbs 17, one of my favorite verses, says this, an intelligent person not one I want to be one what do they do they aim at wise action but a fool they just do everything yes yes I'll do that yes 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 right we grow through our no so we want to be wise I think we'd all say yes then what does a wise person do they're focused I can't do everything but I'm going to do the thing God created me to do and I'm going to focus on it I'm going to aim at it won't always hit it because we're not perfect you can bet I'm aiming at it Somebody said the worst, worst tragedy in life is to climb the ladder of life only to realize it was leaning against the wrong house. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Let's be a church that knows our purpose. Why we're here collectively? Because we are the body of Christ. But why we're here individually? 
that I am not my mistakes. I have purpose. God can redeem my mistakes. Give me another chance at life. Because it's urgent, I'm going to take him up on it. And because metaneo is a good word, an opportunistic word, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Got to have a plan. But I also got to have accountability. You got to have a friend. Got to phone a friend. Got to have somebody that you can go to on that day where you're about to blow up your life. Who is that for you? We got to have it. I got to have it. So in, in one week, we're launching city groups at Palm City. We're super excited about this. That's, yeah, that's people that, that's all the extroverts. They're like, oh, finally. OMG. Extrovert or introvert, you need community. You need somebody that knows your name and knows your secrets. Not everybody. Okay, that'd get weird. <laughs> We're not weird. You got to have somebody. And if you want to raise the level of your success spiritually, you got to get somebody, you got to involve God, and you got to involve a friend. And that's our hope for you. Involve somebody. We're going to do that at city groups. We're going to have one for marriage. We're going to have one for men. The women can't come to that one. We're going to have for one for women, and the men can't come to that one. Then we're going to have one for our students, because we believe their best is now. They don't have to wait to a later age to find purpose. We believe God has purposed them now. They are the now generation, not the next generation. God has a plan for them now. We're going to be focused on students here at Palm City. But we can't really have any of that until we start with God time. We can't spend time with God if we don't have a relationship with God. We can't grow in a relationship with God if we haven't said yes to Jesus, God's answer to bridge the gap between us and Him. So I want you to bow your heads all over the room just for a moment. We're going we're gonna to close. We're going to let you out on time. So don't think about, honey, I'll get the car, you get the kids. Don't think about that right now. We'll do that in just a moment. Let's just stay settled and allow people to make some decisions that's really going to change the course of their life. I'm going to pray a couple of prayers. And the first one is for anyone who may have made that decision before, but you walked away. Maybe a heartache, maybe some church hurt, you know, maybe fear of just what's happened in the last two years. And that's okay. Maybe, maybe you moved. We moved. And, and you just haven't found your crew, your tribe. You haven't found my place yet. But you know today you need to start with first things first. You need to make, make God first in your life. Not just own your, in your life, first. That's the spot he gets. He's first. He is the list. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to help you with some words. But the goal is not just to repeat the words. Again, this is not about performance. This is about your heart connection with a God who loves you and sent his son for you. If that's you, would you just very quietly right there where you're sitting, pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I want to know you. I don't want to know you in my head. I want to know you in my heart. I want a relationship with you. I receive what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for paying a debt I couldn't pay. Today I give you my life. Come on, really give it to him. I, I may not even know what that means, God, fully. But I'm trusting I'm going to have a, a new family to help me walk that out. And I give you my life today tomorrow, forever. Forgive me. Come on, ask him. He wants to. Forgive me 
of my sin. Today I repent, turn away from it, and turn back to you. In Jesus' name. But Father, I pray for us all. Lord, whether we've been a Christian five seconds or 50 years, we can always grow and get better. And so today, God, help us with our calendars. Help us with our schedule. I pray for couples over the next six days, they would spend some time just looking Not just responding and reacting to all the things on our calendar, but really being intentional about looking at things they can shift and and let go of so that they can say yes to not good things. They can say yes to God things, what you've called us to. We pray, Lord, as we start city groups and launch our growth track where people can find their purpose next week. Lord, that you would just begin to do a new work. We're done with the old way of life. We're done with the missteps and the and the mistakes, and we want to step into all that you have for us. So today, God, we pray that you would let your Holy Spirit come into our lives in a fresh way. Do a work, not from the outside in, but do it from the inside out, and let it start today in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, come on, let's celebrate those who made a decision for Christ. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise.